Welcome into The Harvest, a podcast dedicated to helping ordinary believers take the message and mission of Jesus out of the building and into the everyday places of life. My name is Andrew Stroud. I'm joined today by my co-host, Abigail Wilson, and we're glad to have you with us. Abby, last time we spoke, you guys were waging war on two fronts at the Wilson household. You guys were potty training your youngest. You were also battling a stomach bug with your older two kids. So how are you guys holding up? Man, we are we're doing really well. We have survived the um, fluid situation of 2018, and we are moving forward into the holiday season with many prayers that it will we will hold at this stage. Um, so yeah, things are going really good. And we just had a great Thanksgiving um, with family. I had a really great Thanksgiving because actually Thanksgiving Day was my birthday. Uh, I turned 35 oh, hey, hey. on Thanksgiving Day. So nice. Yeah, I know. So I Thir- had to share. 35 years young. Yes. I'm very youthful. And um, I got a really cool <laughs> present. Brett bought me a really long table that fits 12 people and that just made my whole year i love fitting tons (laughs) of people at my table so that was a really special thing so that made the holidays even better and i can't wait to fit even more people we um added a table to the end of that 12 person table um we added our old table and we're able to fit our whole church at one table and it was amazing. Hmm. It did my heart so much good. So I'm loving it. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. How That's are you awesome. guys? What's going on with you? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? We did. We actually had uh, a Thanksgiving uh, celebration uh, gathering with our church family as well. And uh, we went hard in the paint with the turkeys. Um a couple years ago, I got a deep fryer, and so we deep fried a turkey, which is always amazing. Yes. And then this past year, I got a smoker for Father's Day, oh. and so we smoked. Yeah, it's the first time I've cooked wow. a turkey by smoking it, so that also was delicious. You really um, are prepared when it comes to your meat. <laughs> like, you do I not. I feel like I'm... I'm... <laughs> You're not playing. Yeah, I've... <clears throat> Not playing around. I feel like I'm growing in my manliness, you know, because, sure. mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you go from having a grill yeah. to having a deep fryer to having a smoker. And That's these true. are just like notches, notches on the manliness belt. Yeah, you're doing um, really well. Yeah, good. <laughs> it is pretty amazing how guys can cook um, amazing food as long as it's outdoor, like a campfire, a grill, it's a true. smoker. You need that fresh air <laughs> to kind of rejuvenate you. You put us in the kitchen and uh, it's not good. <laughs> But um, but we also had some more vehicle excitement oh, since good. our last Let's podcast. So, I was hoping you would. Yeah, for those of you who have been listening to us all season, you know that uh, our car was stolen. One of our vehicles was stolen a few months back, and then um, we just got our 16-year-old son on our insurance policy. So that was my gripe on our last uh, podcast episode. <laughs> and then since then... We, uh, our, our oldest son, who is 20, got a ticket, a parking ticket, uh, because he was parked on the street and he did not have a decal. He didn't have a registration sticker on his license plate, which is strange because yeah. there was a registration sticker Ew. on his license plate. And so we go out and sure enough, like somebody has removed 
the sticker that what? shows that his registration, <laughs> yeah, that his registration is current. So uh, we had some DMV excitement where I got to go in and stand in line for a couple of hours. And apparently, this is this is a sort of cottage industry where people will go around and they will actually steal your. Uh, at least it is in Southern California. People will Dude. steal your registration sticker, put it on their vehicle. Uh, and as long as they don't get pulled over right. and have to get confirmation, yeah. then it looks like they they paid their registration and that their vehicle is up to date. This is the but, seedy underbelly of Southern California that we're learning about <laughs> through your experience. I mean, Southern California is amazing. Like, I know a lot of people, you hear people sort of knock on California. California is a great state. It's beautiful. But you do have to, you do have to learn some things. You have to get... Uh, savvy and we've we've been learning so what you do what i've learned is that you have to take a utility knife so after you put the sticker on your your vehicle you actually score it you score it with an x and that way people who are trying to steal your sticker um won't find it useful because it's really hard to put back in place so thanks for that useful piece of information i'm sure yeah yeah everybody head out let's do this here to help. Yeah. Here to help. But yeah, we have we've now not only replaced and scored oh. that new sticker, but done that for our other vehicles as well. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but hey, Abby, we are on the home stretch here with season one of the podcast. It's been a blast. I mean, it's been so much fun. This is episode seventeen, which is amazing. Um I do have to confess there's a goal that I'd like to accomplish before we wrap the season. And to be honest, it seems impossible at this point, but I would love to see us reach 100 reviews on iTunes between now and the end of 2018 when we wrap this particular season. And I say it seems impossible because right now we have 26 ratings, and that's where <laughs> that's hey, where someone takes the time there's, there's to give us... There's always a place to start. That's right. Well, a rating is when someone goes to iTunes and they, gives us, they, they give us stars. So it's one to five. And bless you, the 26 of you who have, who have all given us five stars. We really appreciate you. Uh, we only have seven reviews. And so a review is where someone actually takes time to, to say something, to write something about the podcast. So I'm hoping that we can get to 100 reviews basically in the next six weeks. What do you think? <laughs> oh, I mean, it's totally possible. I think all of you listening right now are probably already thinking, yes, that means me. I'm going to go and review this podcast right now. You know, the funnier, the better. Or if you could just put two words in, just put best listen or best listen ever, three words, followed by an exclamation mark. These are all really great options, I feel like. But seriously, (laughs) you guys, ratings and reviews are really important because they do increase the odds that new people will find the show and connect with us. So if you are listening, Hmm. I mean, really, just do us this huge favor. You can even hit the pause button right now and take a few minutes to visit iTunes um, and leave us that five-star rating, which the five stars just takes literally one click like you just click on the five stars um and then you can put a short or long review there as well if you're feeling really generous which i want to help andrew reach his goal i'm very goal oriented myself and so (laughs) and i talked a few um a few episodes ago about how obsessed i was with getting to a thousand followers on instagram and that happened and now we're like on to two thousand so you know we're gonna dream big over here at end of the harvest so yeah (laughs) 
It's possible. All things can happen. Absolutely. So we really do just want to reach more people and inspire them and encourage them and then resource those people. And we want to do that with as many people as possible to make uh, disciples and help people in their relationship with Jesus in their everyday lives. And that is really our ultimate goal. And you can help us in that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a very practical way that our listeners can partner with us. And it it actually does make a difference. I think people sometimes um, minimize the importance of of taking just a few minutes to leave that rating and that review. So for those of you who already have, we really appreciate it. For those of you who are listening right now who I know are going to thank you in advance, this is like an early Christmas present that you're giving me. (laughs) Oh, and me too. Yeah, and Abby as well. So we really appreciate it. We we do put a lot of work into it. We hope it's encouraging. And this is a, a simple way that you guys can help us out. Well, like you were saying, Abby, we do want to help people become disciples who make disciples. And that's why we're doing the series that we're currently on, Getting Started in the Harvest. And it's been said that the greatest waste of time is the time spent getting started. I personally believe that's true. So what is it that that holds us back? What is it that keeps us from getting started? And you and I sat down and identified three obstacles that often keep people from really following Christ and learning how to help others follow him. We've, we've seen these three things in our own lives, and we've definitely seen them in the lives of others that we've been trying to encourage and disciple. So last time we talked about the obstacle of uncertainty and how it can keep us from moving forward. Sometimes we just don't have a clear picture of the life that Jesus is calling us to and how we can move forward in our faith. So if people miss that, they can go back and they can listen to episode 16. It's all about getting clarity so that you can overcome uncertainty in your life of discipleship. But today we're going to turn our attention to this second obstacle. Yeah, that's right. So today we're going to be addressing the obstacle of fear and how that can paralyze us and keep us from getting started with Christ and helping others follow him. And fear is something that is really common to all of us. And maybe some of us struggle with it more than others, but it's pretty much universal. And uh, scriptures say that fear does not come from God. Uh, so 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And that's really just what we want to camp on today, um, that this fear is not something that comes from the Lord, but that he has promised us a lot more than that. Um, and it reminds me of John fourteen twenty seven, which I think is a great promise that we can camp on, which Jesus, um, talking to his disciples, says, peace, I live with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Um, and I love this verse because um, it's really him giving that command of just being um, empowered with his um, strength and his peace that is, you know, beyond our own understanding. Um, and it also kind of brings to mind that idea of the disciples. And if you think back on when Jesus um, was betrayed and went to the cross, um, his disciples just scattered like the wind. 
And so um, that's a comfort maybe to all of us that they were humans too and they combated fear. Um, Peter, probably most of all, we have his whole story of denying Jesus when he wasn't there with him. And I think that really shows us kind of the example of what life is like when we don't have the Lord with us. The good news is that we have the Holy Spirit, that Jesus left so that we could have his spirit with us at all times. Um, Jesus left them and then they all just like wilted like little flowers um, under the weight of their fears. But we have the Holy Spirit um, with us to help us in our fears. Yeah, I think um, I think those are great verses, both the one in 2 Timothy 1.7 and also Jesus's words to his disciples there in John 14, because that was a very fearful time. Obviously, as he's speaking that in John 14, it is the night that he is going to be betrayed. Um, It's less than 24 hours from his death on the cross. And there he is telling his disciples to, to have courage, that he's going to give them his peace. And so fear is something that is present. And we just need to acknowledge that, that fear is something that is present in all of our lives. It's a constant factor in discipleship. And that's nothing new. The first disciples had to deal with this challenge, this struggle with with fear. And I think one of the common misconceptions that we can have is that people who have been following Jesus for a long time no longer struggle with fear. Uh, but it, it's really not true. Um, and even in Peter's case, who was hand-selected by Jesus, in a sense, to be his replacement, that Jesus told Peter that he was the one who would be gathering the disciples and encouraging them after Jesus's uh, death and resurrection and his return to the Father. Even Peter, who failed, and we were all, he famously failed when he um, denied Jesus three times. But we read later that um, Peter, in the book of Galatians, Paul tells us that Peter failed again, and it was because of the fear of man. You can read about it in Galatians chapter 2, especially verses 11 through 14. Paul tells us that Peter was afraid of the opinion of others, and it caused him to act in, in a way that was hypocritical and actually contrary to the gospel, which is amazing because this is Peter as a mature, not just disciple, but a mature leader in the church. Uh, God had actually used him to help bring the gospel to the Gentiles, and yet here he was still struggling with fear, and and in this case, still stumbling because of fear. So I think it's just something we need to realize that fear is there. It's something that we need to learn how to overcome now in the present, Mm -hmm. and it's not something that that we're going to overcome once and then never have to deal with again. Yeah, that actually reminds me of something that um, Barrett uh, uses as an analogy for this. You know, he was an infantry officer in the Army for a long time, and they do a lot of marching. (laughs) And so he tells kind of this analogy of fear and boots, and that when you first put on those boots to go on a really long hike, um, and they're new boots – I say hike. That's probably a really bad thing to say for (laughs) Anyway, you guys know what I'm saying. A really long march. Um, You put on those boots and they start to cause blisters right away. And so that's super painful. And that can kind of be the same way with our fears. As we're first getting started, um, those fears can seem almost insurmountable. But as we continue going along our way, those blisters sort of fade and we break in those shoes and we can kind of continue on. Um, But the real analogy there is there 
that you still have to keep marching and you still have to keep going. And there's still going to be, you know, some some stress there of having to keep on that long march. And so that's the same way with fear. It may seem insurmountable there at the beginning, and we'll talk about that a little later, but it also kind of continues to go with us. Um, so we just want to acknowledge that, acknowledge the fact that we may all be operating with a little fear and that's that's okay that's we are acknowledging that because we can we can walk with that when we have um the holy spirit with us to help us through it yeah i love that analogy of breaking in a new pair of boots and it actually reminds me of of one of the quotes about fear and courage that i really i really enjoy is from eleanor roosevelt and she said that we gain strength courage and confidence by every experience in which we really stop and look fear in the face. Mm, and when you do that, you're, yeah, when you do that, you're able to say later that you lived through this, this horror. This, this is her quote. You lived through the horror and you can take the next thing that comes along. And so, you know, facing your fears in the present is really what gives you courage and confidence in the future. So one thing that we want to do on this episode is just talk about our, some of our own experiences of dealing with fear. So let me ask you, Abigail, what are some of the ways that you've been able to overcome fear as you follow Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to start by reminding our listeners, in case you've forgotten or you didn't know, I'm a major planner and a major like type A personality. And so for me, the greatest fear is um, the new or the unknown because I can't fully plan for it. Um, Brett was actually reminding me just last night of the first time we went out sharing the gospel. Um, and I had conveniently blocked out this memory. So it's really great to have a husband <laughs> to like bring back. <laughs> like really, I did not remember it. But according to Brett's, I really freaked out. And I like went on a whole little rant about how like I was not an evangelist and I could not do this and this was going to be super hard and awkward and uh, and then I was like okay I'm done and we went out and shared the gospel <laughs> but um, <laughs> really uh, thanks Brett for that great story but it is true that I will often overcompensate by over planning and be an being extra prepared, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And we can talk about that more later. But um, the pretty revolutionary thing in my own life was just realizing that the Lord often gives as we go, like as we begin yeah. the action. Um, and I, hmm. I really love Joshua 1.9, which you guys can go look up, is a really common verse, um, just the Lord promising to go with him. And it reminds me of, and you know, do not be afraid. He He's going to be a part of their journey moving forward into the promised land. And I really love just this whole period of time for the children of Israel because for one thing, they're like constantly combating fears and not always in the best way. But this story in Joshua is, and I think it's in chapter four. Um, you guys can check me on this, but it's when they're crossing the Jordan River into the promised land and the Lord instructs the priest to step into the Jordan River. And um, it actually says, and in my Bible, it's actually in parentheses. It says, now it was a time of harvest when the water was overflowing. And I really love this because it meant that they were having to step into rapids, essentially, like very high, fast-moving water. Um, and the Lord did not act 
until they had stepped into that water and then he did act and the waters, you know, stopped moving and moved to the side and everyone walked over on dry land. Um, And this is a wonderful picture of how it can be with our fears that sometimes the Lord asks us to take that first step. And P.S., the over planner in me could never have thought up the idea that, oh, you know, God could just stop the waters like that's not (laughs) that's not in my wheelhouse of what God can do. And so often we leave out the factor of God, the God factor and what we're about to do. He can do miracles. He can do things that we can't even imagine. And he's just asking us to take that first step. Um, It's also really a helpful story because um, being the very practical person that I am, I would have been like, hey, guys, let's wait until the waters recede a little bit. Like maybe the harvest (laughs) season when it's flooding is not the greatest time to cross the Jordan River. And yet that was not the Lord's plan. And so I think sometimes it doesn't even seem practical. And we think, you know what, I'm just going to wait. Like my fears are totally practical fears. Or maybe I won't go out there and do that because this is a practical thing. Um, And sometimes the Lord is impractical in what he's asking us to do. But he always... Always, always surprises me um, in his quality and quantity of his response and help in those times that are fearful for me. Um, so, in fact, so much so that I can literally block out the moment that I was freaking out indoors before I went out to share the gospel because I just moved <laughs> forward into him helping us. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's really great. Um, <laughs> but I I really need that constant reminder uh, when I do start to overthink and over-prepare in my fearfulness that the Lord's mind um, for my future is far greater than I can imagine. And sometimes I just have to take that first step. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many good points in there. For one, there's this huge connection between faith and fear. And that's why fear runs all throughout the scriptures. You see God's people having to deal with fear and they overcome that by living living by faith. And I loved your point about God providing as we go, that he's not going to give us everything that we need ahead of time so that we have this this complete confidence. And then we move forward, that he's going to call us to step out in faith. And then we begin to see him coming through and providing, you know, the waters of the Jordan stop flowing when our feet uh, touch the water. You know, for me, when I came to faith, uh, very, it was very much part of my, of my coming to faith that I was supposed to represent Jesus openly. So Matthew ten thirty two and thirty three were verses that I had read as I was coming to faith, and they were, they were like a, in neon lights as I read them on the page of my Bible. It's it's where Jesus says that everyone who confesses him before men, he will confess before the Father, but whoever denies him before others. He will deny before the Father. And in my case, it was I just knew that this was something God was saying to me, that Jesus was saying to me, that he was calling me not just to believe that he existed, that he was out there, but to to live for him, to represent him before others. And so one of uh, the early stories of fear, and it's actually a story of failure as well for me, is that... Um, I did come to faith. I did give my life to Christ. And I thought, well, I need to go out and I need to share him with others. And so I can remember just deciding, well, I'm just going to drive around. Uh, I lived in a, a small uh, 
rural town at the time. And I thought, I'm just going to drive around and knock on people's doors and tell them about my story and tell them about Jesus. I was super nervous, (laughs) but um, I can remember like driving up and, and pulling into this driveway and walking up to the front door and my heart was just racing. Uh, I didn't even know what am I going to say? What are the first words that are going to come out of my mouth? Um, And I couldn't knock on the door. I just, I couldn't bring myself. I I was so overwhelmed by fear and, uh, you know, just a lack of, of confidence that, you know, I got back in the car and I went home and I don't think I can communicate just how crushing that was that I was sincere in wanting to, to follow Jesus and share him with others. And I had, I had gone all the way up to the brink. It was almost like I was one of those priests and I walked all the way up to the edge of the water and I just couldn't put my foot in. Um, and so fast forward about a year later, I had gotten involved, uh, with, with a church that was very active in sharing their faith. And there was one, there was one guy in particular who I admired, who, who just seemed to be able to share his faith openly and with confidence. And so I approached him and I said, Hey, the next time you're going out to just share your faith, would you mind if I go with you? I'd like to just see how you do it. And I'd like to learn from you because this is something that I've struggled with. And he was very generous. Sure. Come out with me. And so we went out and for the first five minutes, he talked to several people and I was sort of kind of watching and observing. And then he, he turned to me and said, okay, now it's your turn. And I thought, nice. whoa, I thought I was going <laughs> to, yeah, I thought this whole session I was just going to watch. I didn't have any expectation of actually doing any talking. Um, but he really encouraged me. He said, you know, you've seen, you've seen the conversations that I've had and no one had been super responsive, but also no one was, no one picked up stones and threw them at him. And so he said, you know, you see that no one's going to react super negatively. So go ahead and you start the next conversation. And if you get stuck, I'll jump in. And that was, um, that was, I was off to the races. I mean, once you begin to take those steps and you do see God begin to, um, show up, then it gives you growing confidence and courage to trust him in bigger and bigger ways. So, so that's sort of a couple of stories from my own life about overcoming fear and maybe not overcoming fear. (laughs) No, that's really awesome. I love that. And I think we've already sort of begun to maybe sneakily give you guys some practical things that might help (laughs) you guys overcome fear. Um, But let's we're just going to really spell it out for you because that's how we, we like to roll here. But um, let's get really practical um, and maybe give a couple of things that we think will help our listeners begin to overcome their own fears as they follow Jesus and make disciples. And you may have totally different fears from us, but we do think that fear is pretty universal and the Lord has given us some great tools to help us with that fear. Sure. And so we're going to give five practical steps that you can begin to take right away to begin overcoming fear. (laughs) That's right. And so the first of those is prayer. Just like last time with overcoming uncertainty, we really start with prayer. One of my favorite memory verses is Psalm 138 verse 3. It says, when I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout hearted. And it's 
it's the encouragement of the psalmist that he was struggling with fear. And when he called out to God, God made him bold and stout-hearted. And it's not just that prayer causes us to stop fearing, but what I think prayer does is it helps us overcome fear. Mm. It, it, it ends up transferring our fear of what's unknown, and it allows us to replace it with trusting a God who is known. So the, the opposite of fear, biblically, the opposite of fear is not the absence of fear, it's it's the the presence of faith. It's the presence of trusting God in the face of the unknown, because we know Him. And Jesus Himself said this. So in Matthew ten twenty seven, He told us not to fear those who can kill the body but cannot touch our souls, but instead rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Um, and Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. The book of Ecclesiastes, the writer spends the whole book trying to figure out what's the best way to live life. What's it all about? And in verse 13, which is the very end of the book, he says, The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. So, in a sense, the uh, the solution to fear is to replace it with a higher fear or to, to fear God. So whatever fear that you're facing that's keeping you from stepping out in faith and trusting God, you know, replace that with a, a higher fear of God himself, which is also another way of saying to trust God more than the fear that you're facing and watch him come through. And, and that starts with prayer, uh, asking God to help us have his perspective and help us overcome our fears and live with courage. There is a uh, another quote that I really like by a guy named Ladza, a Chinese philosopher, and he said, "Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength, while loving someone deeply gives you courage." And I think it's very biblical, or at least it matches up with principles that we see in the Bible. That first, God deeply loves us. And that gives us strength that we know that there is a, that the highest authority in all creation is on our side. You know, if God is for us, um, what can man do against us or who can be against us? And then when we love someone deeply, it gives us courage. And so the more deeply we love God, the more courage we're going to have in the face of fear. So that's, that's the first thing that we can and should do is start with prayer and ask God to give us his perspective and to give us courage. Yeah, absolutely. And it, as you were talking, it just reminded me of the verse that we put up on Instagram a few weeks ago, maybe even a month ago now, um, in First Samuel 30, I believe. And it just says, you know, David was greatly distressed, but he strengthened himself in the Lord God. Um, yeah. And I, I love that idea of when we're in distress to go and strengthen ourselves in the Lord and his truth. And I think the next um, practical point we want to make um, is kind of along those same lines as prayer. And that's just to study the word and especially maybe study the lives of men that we have in the Bible, um, that we have their stories of fear. Um, Moses comes to mind. Um, he's a great example of someone who is not immediately just gung-ho about doing the work that the Lord had for him to do. Uh, in fact, he was very anti the whole idea. And it's just such a great reminder of what we are like ourselves. We all have probably some Moses traits in us, but also what the Lord was able to do 
in spite of that. Um, and Gideon is another great example that just comes to mind. Gideon also was full of doubt and fear when the Lord presented with him or to him the idea that he would lead his people to victory and, and judge them. And Gideon was like, eh, I'm going to need like multiple signs. <laughs> Um, so that's right. another really great story to just study, like dig in there and see what the Lord has for you um, from those passages. Um, I personally really love the story of Saul, just all through Saul's journey um, from the time that he was anointed king and then chosen by lots um, to be king. Like he was literally hiding behind the luggage. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that part about Saul, but I've always really loved that visual of like this really tall dude hiding behind the luggage. It's just really comical. Anyway, I love that because I can relate to that too. You know, that here we are about to be made king and uh, I'm really going to have to go hide somewhere because it's too much. Um, and then throughout Saul's uh, reign and really tragic tragic reign, um, we see how that fear devours him. So maybe that's a more um, cautionary tale, but I think it's really good because then we see the, the comparison with David later on and how he does return to the Lord and strengthen himself when he is in distress, um, which is not what Saul did. And so I think there's just a lot of really great, great examples in the word that we can turn to when we really want to study this topic. And maybe get some truth to speak into our own lives when we're feeling like hiding behind luggage. Yeah, studying the life of fearful people in the scripture. There's, I think those are great examples. Moses, Gideon, Saul, there's so many of them. Yeah. And you see how God brought them through their struggles with fear that, again, like these weren't just people who had it all together and God gave them orders and they saluted and went about the business uh, they had to really process through their fears and overcome them. So that's that's a great practical thing that we can do. And you mentioned David. That actually fits with the third practice that people can do. And that that is find a partner in ministry who already seems to be a little further along than you. There's safety in numbers, and, and we can pair up with those who are more courageous than we are. And, you know, you guys heard that from my own story, the example of my own life, that there was an area of life where I was struggling to overcome fear and just pairing up with someone who who had it together in that area helped me overcome. And everyone knows the story of David killing Goliath, which is kind of a, it's an amazing story, very famous. Here you had the entire Israelite army, uh, none of whom was brave enough to fight against Goliath until David shows up and he's willing, he's not even in the army, he's a shepherd boy, but he's willing to face Goliath and and kill him. Now, what people don't often know is that years later, David has become king. Probably at least 15, 20 years later, David is now king and he has his own army. And there are actually four brothers of Goliath. So Goliath wasn't the only giant. And in 2 Samuel chapter 21, you can see that that David's army, men from David's army, end up killing those four giants, those four brothers of David. I'm sorry, those four brothers of Goliath. And it wasn't David who killed. So David killed Goliath. Um, but then these other, these other warriors who became part of David's army, 
who were probably part of Saul's army and didn't have the courage to face Goliath, had become courageous enough to kill these other four giants. And so I think it's a really cool picture of find a David, find someone who's more courageous than you are, and pair up with them, learn from them, and you'll find yourself uh, killing the giants that that you weren't willing to face uh, previously. So that's the third thing that you can do is find a partner. Absolutely. And I think that's uh, really just practical advice just to learn from someone who maybe is a little further down the road from us. Uh, and our next practical advice kind of goes hand in hand with that is just to practice, um, practice things that scare us, um, whether it's like Andrew's story of going out and sharing with his friend and the friend sharing for a while and then, you know, kind of throwing Andrew in there into the fire to get started. But then, you know, as we have done this, it has helped us get better at it and be a little bit um maybe less fearful or like maybe the story of Brett and the boots, you know, it may hurt still a little bit, but we can, it's not as strong as it was the first time. Um, So just doing it and doing it repetitively is really helpful. Just practice. But also I just want to say practice in a safe space um, because I'm still the type eight person that I said I was before. I'm still the over planner. And to me, there is a lot of safety in just being overly prepared. And so there is nothing wrong with standing in front of your mirror and, you know, pretending to talk to someone. Um, You know, you don't have to tell anyone about it. We won't tell anyone that you did it. But just get in there and, you know, talk to yourself. Say what you would say to your neighbor or your friend. Um, Say, you know, a little scenario of a conversation you would have with a person in the park, um, sharing your story or the gospel or whatever it is that you feel like the Lord is asking you to step out and do, you can prepare that. Like I, I think rarely do I say exactly what I practiced, but it helps me tremendously in the moment to have something that I have practiced, um, to just have the words kind of already maybe imprinted on my brain a little bit from practicing. Um, And it's really great to practice with other people. They can give you advice. I can practice with my husband and he can be like, wow, you just really rambled there. Like maybe cut that out. Like like maybe make that a shorter story, Abigail. So it's just a really, I think it's a great tool to, to overcoming fear because I always feel better when I know I'm uber prepared, at least as far as I can be. So I've taken the steps that I can. So um, then I can feel a little bit more confident stepping out into the scary place that we may be being called into. So, you know, we've kind of hit on a few so far. So I think we've got one more we want to cover. Yeah, that's right. So I, I think it really parallels the one that you just shared. So, you know, yes, practice in a safe space. But the fifth thing that we want to encourage people to do is take baby steps that you do eventually have to step out of your comfort zone, <laughs> but you can do that. You know, you don't have to like make the full leap. Right. And so th- just some simple things that you can do to begin to, you know, raise the flag of your, of faith in your own life. Um, one thing that you could do is just have your Bible at work. I, I knew a, a guy who would bring his Bible to work. He would just have it on his desk. And when people came in, it was just sort of, you know, many people would see that and they would just take notice. Oh, there's a Bible. Um, Another thing that you can do is you can, if you have a break at work, you can read your Bible like during your break. Not every time, but I mean, that's just an option that you can do. You don't have to say anything if you just, if you have a Bible. And by the way, this is just a, a little tip. I know that we all have 
smartphones and that we have Bible apps and it's great. They're convenient. They can definitely be a huge blessing, but they also actually can keep you from doing what I'm talking about, which is if you actually have a physical Bible and it's open, oh yeah, people will have no doubt about what that means. Yeah. Whereas if you're looking at your phone and you're reading your Bible, they don't know. Maybe you're scrolling social media. <laughs> yeah. um, so I would just encourage people like go old school, have a Bible, maybe go to a coffee shop, read, read your Bible in the coffee shop. I mean, these are ways to actually, you know, raise the flag of faith in your own life that are small steps that you can take, you know, praying before your meal. You don't have to do it outwardly. If you bow your head, it's just a little way that people will will recognize that you're a person of faith. And then, you know, if you want to take it a step further, if you've begun to memorize scripture, one of the best ways to start a conversation with someone about faith is to have them check you on your scripture memory verse. And so I've got these little cards and you can ask someone, hey, I'm trying to memorize this. Would you mind uh, checking me just to see if I've got it. I mean, it may lead to a conversation. It may just be a simple matter of them l- listening while you quote the verse, and that's all it is. Even if that's all it is, I mean, you've actually shared scripture with someone that day. So there's lots of little steps that you can take, you know, between holding back altogether and and being this amazing outspoken person in your faith. There are many, many steps that you can take. So try to think about what's one little way that you could begin to step out in faith and uh, and trust God. And like Abby said earlier, like you're going to see God begin to provide. As you step into the water, you'll see God begin to act. So that's that's the last thing that that I would suggest is just take baby steps. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. And I, just as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, for me, it was just a switch of, and this is going to be really embarrassing, but I'm going to admit it to everybody here that there's a part of me that was genuinely um, not afraid to talk about my faith with people, but it was like, I was not going to create awkwardness, you know? And so I had, in some ways, edited out my faith. And so I could just be talking to someone and, you know, something that I had really prayed for, um, let's say, just happened. And I could say, yay, I'm so excited. And I wouldn't say, I really prayed for that. Like, God just answered that prayer for me. Instead, I would just say, yay, I'm really excited and move on. Um, And I really had to make a conscious decision one day of to just not edit out. And I was doing it a lot. And it's surprising how much my faith just comes up in very casual conversation Um, If we let it, um, we can really just insert a lot of, oh, wow, I'll pray about, you know, about that for you. Like, man, that sounds really like you've had a really rough Hmm. day. I'll pray for you. Or, you know, man, like God has really done this cool thing for us. And, you know, my husband's job is such and such. And I'm super excited about it. Just it really becomes kind of uh, constant in some ways, um, and not very offensive or hard for people to handle. I mean, I think they can either ignore it or, you know, comment on it and that's kind of up to them. So that's a very baby step thing to do, but it was kind of a big step for me to realize that I'd been doing that kind of subconsciously. So just wanted to throw that in there too, but I let's, uh, we're kind of running out of time here, but I do want to just recap our practical steps because I think they're all really good. So just remember you guys, um, spend time in prayer if you're just feeling 
um, very fearful and overcome by that, and it's kind of freezing you in place. Um, so just spending time in prayer, studying the life, the lives, I should say, of fearful people that are all scattered through scripture, and then joining those who are more courageous than you, just asking to go along and partner with them and learn from them. And then don't forget to practice. Practice the thing that scares you and practice it in a safe place where you um, will feel comfortable and maybe get a little preparedness. And then take baby steps. You know, this Rome was not taken in a day. So we will uh, just take the little things and start making those changes. And then, as we've said, just step into that Jordan River and see what the Lord can do. So, yeah, this has been a really great conversation, and I really enjoyed it. I think fear is such a common problem, and we hope that this helps people overcome their fears so that they can live the great adventure of being a disciple and making disciples. So we um, hope you enjoyed it, and we hope that it was helpful for you. So don't forget, what should they do, Andrew? Yeah, what should people do right now? Well, they should stop right now. And they should go to <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> yes. No. Uh, hey, no. We would love if you take a, take a few minutes to give us a rating and review on a uh, on iTunes. Uh, you can connect with us on social media, especially uh, on Instagram and Facebook. And we really do hope that, like Abby said, that this conversation is an encouragement to you guys. I do think that these these three things that we're talking about last time: uncertainty, today fear. The next episode, we're going to talk about busyness and how that is a real obstacle to those of us who want to follow Jesus. That's right. We're we're getting into real life here. So I do hope it's uh, encouraging to people and that it gives people some practical steps that they can begin to live out to overcome these obstacles and really, like you said, Abby, live the adventure of following Jesus because that's really what it is, that even when we fail in areas of fear, um, you know, uh, failure is not the end of the story. So like, studying the life of those people from Scripture, you're going to see that oftentimes they failed. It wasn't the end of the story. So to overcome fear and to grow in our courage and in our faith is is a huge part of discipleship. So this has been great, Abby. Thanks for uh, sharing all of your wisdom on this particular podcast. And we'll do it again soon. Same to you, Andrew. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can help us reach more people by going to iTunes, subscribing, and leaving a review. And if you like what we're doing here, tell a friend about us. In an age of social media, word of mouth is still the best way to spread the message.